0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. My name is Josh Simpson. I'm a member of the board here. We also lead, lead a, or help co-lead a group. As well. And this is, like, this is our family. So it's pretty awesome to be a part of this. We're honored to get a chance to speak this morning uh, because our, our lead pastor, uh, Matt Porman, and his family are doing an extended family vacation currently right now in Tennessee. So uh, it's, it's an honor to get a chance anytime to be a part of, of here. And uh, I'm thankful that we are involved with leadership that are willing to have other members of the body share. So that's pretty humbling. <laughs> Deal. Hey, guys, Espen. What? So, at, what's going on? This is... This is my, what's happening?
1: So Josiah got to sit at the end of the seat last week, and I was going to sit there, and then he took the spot.
0: I, I recognize, buddy, but it, it's like, it's 11.50. It's, I
1: know, he came in late. I should sit there.
0: <sighs> so, Big picture. We're in the middle of stuff. Take a look, take a look. Take, oh, so take,
1: take Dad, a, I, I was sitting there, Dad.
0: I, I I understand, but let's just let's want you sit down currently, and we'll figure it out at a later point in time.
1: Wait, Wait. so what happened? So, um, Josiah he came in late, and then he sat down, and I was sitting down. He told me to move. I stood up, and then he just sat down. It, Josiah, why did? you-
0: Nope, no, no it, it it's we'll figure this out at a later point in time. We'll talk about it afterward. That's get not ready. fair. How uncommon or how common is that for your own homes?
1: Right. I, don't know about, I don't know about you guys. Like seriously, raise your hand if you hear a refrain or you even feel that's not fair. I see a hand back there. He's being honest and his brother's pulling his hand down going, <laughs> don't, don't raise your hand right now. I saw that back there.
0: Man, that, that concept, and, and, and Espen, play that out I don't know if how this works with you guys, but this idea that like, people should get what they deserve runs real deep for many of us. We look around the, the world that we see, and, and if we see other people that we know they are in positions that we would say that there's no reason why they, they should be in that spot, it, it irks us, right? It irks me a bit. So some quick examples, right? Uh, tell us about um, uh, your Christmas sauce, because it's categorically different
1: than my own thing. For Christmas, everybody should get the same amount of gifts, so that everybody ends at the same time. So then we can go around, everybody gets to open one at a time, and everybody gets to see what everybody else gets.
0: We're 18 years into marriage, and it's always like, oh yeah, Josiah has four, and Espen has four, and Ananias has five. Is that okay, even though the fifth one was like (laughs) $2.50? right?
1: It's not okay. Everybody else will get one more gift.
0: (laughs) Or or you go bigger picture, right? Uh, You guys have read about companies that go bankrupt, but the CEOs receive million-dollar payouts. Right, so the company is going, going under, or they lay off people, but the people at the highest positions of power receive more finances.
1: Or one of my favorites, how many of you guys call shotgun when you walk outside? Right? Yeah. So we do a rotation because somebody had shotgun last time, and this became an issue actually when I was a kid because my sister would go outside and call shotgun and then come back inside to finish getting ready. And it was always like, whoa, 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 like... That is not, like, the rules. Come on.
0: So in and, and, and full disclosure, I'm okay. I'm not okay with that. That's extreme. But if, if you call it, you call it. And if you're first off every time, right, it doesn't it does not bother me. But um, think about, like, uh, it, when you were in school, if you had group projects, and everybody, there are group projects oftentimes where everybody gets the same grade, regardless of the level of work you put in. And it just grates on you, for many, right, because it's, it's not fair. If somebody didn't pull their own weight, they should get a, a grade that's, that's equivalent, um, I know that I went through a, a program at IU where I got my MBA, and Aaron likes to make fun of me because I always say it's an MBA from the Kelley School of Business.
1: Thank you for saying that. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, so, but in the process, there were a couple people within my class that r- missed a couple classes.
1: Or a lot of classes, I'm not about, just a couple.
0: It was, it was clearly like this person <laughs> didn't show up again, yes. right? And, and still got the degree. And, and that, I don't know if it rubbed me the wrong way, but it was, it was challenging. Um, or even in childhood, even, even if you go way back into childhood, uh, think about we asked our, our kids, you know, things that are not fair, and the first one that they came up with was picking teams in gym. I always want to be a part of teams that were, that were fair or equal so the competition would be better.
1: Or picking teams in our backyard. Yeah. Also plays into that. Yep. Recess, yeah. same
0: kind of thing. Or making a team that you've tried out for. <clears throat> or getting a role that you've put in effort for, or becoming first chair in something where you're talented in, right? You wanna, you wanna earn what you deserve, and it frustrates us when that doesn't play out. Either a deep-seated frustration, or even the back of your subconscious, like, God, that's, that's not okay. At our home, it's all over the place. Right. Right. Um,
1: for those of you who don't know us, we have four boys, and they're varying ages. We run from eight to 16, with two in the middle, And so that means, obviously, you know, the 16-year-old has a bit more that he's allowed to do than what the 8-year-old is allowed to do. But that doesn't mean that the 8-year-old sees it that, yeah, my brother should get to do more because he's 8 years older than me. So it's often a refrain of ours of like, hey, when you're 10, you get to do this. When you're 12, you get to do this. So it's made us be much more intentional about their ages and what they get to do then
0: but man when there's a sliding scale at all right when one kid got something at 15 and the other one's getting it at 13 that's an issue when one kid got it at 11 and the other (laughs) kid's getting it at nine oh that's that's an issue that's coming up right that happens all the time this idea of of what's fair or that's not fair honestly it's it's an internal keeping track of opportunities that are given to others versus what's been given to us i'll say it again just make sure we're, we're tracking here this morning many of us operate with this internal keeping track of what others receive versus what we have received based on what we've done and we want to be equivalent we want to play out kind of like the set of scales up here and interestingly enough so we've had this, this conversation like that's not a big deal for me right my perspective honestly, my perspective when it comes to fairness is, man, I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's ultimately fair and he's going to take care of it at the end. And, you know, if it doesn't play out fairly, like, all right, I'm going to have to work my tail off the next time and and be fine with it because I'm going to have to suck it up and get past it.
1: And meanwhile, I view everything exactly like these scales. Somebody earlier mentioned, if you notice these scales, one doesn't go up and the other one doesn't go down. I can do whatever I want to them and they stay the same. And that's how I prefer to live life and see things. So if I get a win, I also wanna help you get a win, right? If somebody commits a crime, then they should receive a punishment for that crime. Everything is very black and white and clear across the board and equal.
0: So I know uh, when we had talked previously, talked about how um, uh, when I talk about my own tendency in this,
1: how does that make you mm-hmm. feel? oh, it's so frustrating because I don't understand it at all. I'm like, how can you really not see it? And the way that you just saw it play out with Espen is often what happens in our own home, where he will be like, it's fine, it's not a big deal. Just go sit down. And I'll be like, no, let's talk about what happened. Let's make sure that this is fair. Really, Josiah shouldn't get to sit on the end every time, right?
0: So, But, but guess what? The reality is Jesus spoke directly to this. And I'm really thankful for that. It gives us some perspective, um, and that's what we're talking about this morning, obviously. We've been in a series called The Moral of the Story. We've been looking at uh, a number of different parables of Jesus. Now, Jesus taught in parables. They're stories, and to, to pick up the concept of these parables, Jesus is really clear. It's pretty cool. Um, his disciples said, why, why are you telling us these, these stories? Why don't you just come out and, and say it outright? And Jesus talks in, uh, in Mark 4. He says the following in 4.11, Jesus answers that question about why you teach teaching stories. He goes, And Jesus said to him, To you who has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, to, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything's in parables, and here's the why. So that, quote, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. He's, he's quoting Isaiah in the middle of that. Jesus is quoting the words from Isaiah. So that, When people were hearing these stories, um, it was near, like you had to grasp a bit. You had to sit in the stories to pick out the meaning. Just didn't come to to outright lay down a four-point message on how we should live and go, right? You had to pursue and, and unveil a bit, sit in those stories to figure out some meaning. Parables allow people to grasp concepts and nuances if you sought after it, and if you didn't, There's borderline intentionality to it.
1: So today's parable actually has the opportunity to affect our mindset and the way that we view things. It also has the ability to, like, alter our stress level. And a little secret, it's also my least favorite parable that Jesus tells. I'm going to be honest, so if anybody else is there with me, we can like, start our own like, least favorite parable group. That probably wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> that's right. That's start a weird group at, to start. it old.
0: <laughs> so if you have Bibles in hand, why don't you guys turn to Matthew 20. Mm-hmm. We're in Matthew 20 today. If you have a cell phone, mm-hmm. if you're at home, pick it up. It's going to be on screen. We're reading out of the ESV version. And, and so
1: our moral of the story is, that's not fair. So I'm going to read it first, and then we'll pray, and then put it into our own words and unpack it a little bit more. So Matthew 21 through 16, I'm going to read it from the ESV version. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing around here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Catch this part. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble grumble to the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have come, borne the burden of the work, And the heat of the day? But he answered one of them I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. If you will pray with me. God, we thank you for your words, and we pray for all of the ways that you speak to us through them. We pray for open hearts and ears and minds this morning as you speak to us about your kingdom math and how it doesn't equate to what we are taught as far as what things should be equal and how things should play out and how some of us get in our mind justice and fairness. So we pray that you just allow your Holy Spirit to dwell in and among all of us today, and to hear exactly what you have to say to us. That's in your your name we pray, Amen.
0: Amen. So let's retell this really quickly, right? You got a vineyard owner. Just telling a story. You got a vineyard owner who needs to hire some people to do normal vineyard worker stuff. And if you're unfamiliar, because we don't live in an area with lots of vineyards. You're looking at, they're gonna work during the course of the day outside in the sun, uh, clipping and pruning and cleaning and harvesting the entirety of the day. It's not joy giving work, right? So he hires people and he goes out at like 6 in the morning, more or less, sunrise, and says, uh, vineyard owner's like, you, I'm going to hire you and you and you, come work for a day's wage, we'll uh, bring you in and start working. So they start working at 6, 6.30 in the morning and, and get after it. All those things you think about from a vineyard uh, worker perspective.
1: That sounds terrible. Let's just be clear. 6.30 in the morning, out in the vineyard.
0: All right. well, 6.30 in the morning for anything. On, on, on your end.
1: But yeah. Sounds terrible.
0: So you have that element. Then the vineyard owner says, we need some more uh, workers. Goes out at nine. Hires them. He, they come on in. They start working. Goes out at noon. Does the same thing. Hires people. It um, Says, we're going to pay you a day's wage. Come on in. At three, does the same thing. At, uh, and during the three o'clock or five o'clock hour, I'll make sure we're, we're, I'm clear, at five. Five in the afternoon, near the end of the day, he goes out and the vineyard owner still sees people who aren't working, standing around. Says, why aren't you guys working? The people say, very honestly, and I appreciate this, because nobody's hired us. So the vineyard owner goes, well, I want you to work for me. Come, come work. And they work maybe a half hour, maybe an hour. And then, like the Flintstones' um, uh, quitting time, it's the, the whistle blows figuratively, and it's the end of the day, and the foreman's called to start paying everybody. So they come, and uh, the, starting with the last people who were hired first, these people who barely broke in a sweat. It's, it's let's say, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and they receive a day's pay, a denarius, regardless, a full day's pay. So that happens, and the people who started working at 6.30, their eyes get real big. Because if those people who worked like a half hour got that much pay, yes, we're going to be set. This going to be awesome. And then the people who worked it, got hired at 3 get that same pay, and the people who got hired at noon, same pay. And by the time it comes, they, the, the people watch it, they grumble, you get really frustrated, and they receive the exact same pay. They look at it. They start grumbling against the vineyard owner. You're making us an equal? The vineyard owner says, okay, um, uh, it's my right to kind of do what I want to. I'm summarizing pretty significantly mm-hmm. here. And, and then kind of closes it out, gives them their, their work, and away they go. Now, full disclosure, I hear this story. And I'm like, all right, good story, Jesus. That's cool. I get it. And I'm good, Now I'll move right on to Matthew Twenty verse 17.
1: And meanwhile, I'm like, this entire parable isn't fair. Like, had I started working at 6.30 in the morning and you started working at 5.30? Well, then I want to be in that 5.30 group if I'm going to end up getting paid the same as what the person at 6.30 did. There's a fairness element, right? And I don't know if you guys have heard like, you know, they classify people as like people who are fighters for justice, Like, I definitely, every test that I take, like, I fall right along those justice scales. I like to see justice. And as we were preparing this, like, I even was thinking about the fact that I actually have a bachelor's in counseling and criminal justice, so it plays right into my justice and fairness entire thing. But, like, I tend to lean on different scriptures in the Bible, right? As I read this parable, I'm like, wait, but doesn't Hebrews 6.10 say, God is not unjust, He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Right? That to me means ultimately I'm going to get what I earned through my actions. It's all going to be even like the scales in the end. And yet, we all live in a world where the scales are very seldom balanced like this right we all know somebody or lots of people who maybe don't even know jesus who appear to be sitting on top of the world and we're like man why does god keep blessing them when i've been you know struggling on the mission field and barely making ends meet and doing everything that i'm supposed to be doing for jesus Come on.
0: And let's pause before you look at the, the next scripture. I mean, just in this room or at home, um, is there a situation that you can, you're, you're, it's in your mind right now that God's bringing up and stirring up that you, you feel frustrated that someone else is getting um, far better than what you think they deserve? It can be a family member, right? It can be something at work or a friend or even just somebody from a distance. I want us to, to sit in, in that emotion that comes up at the time because I mean, I want you to throw out what that Amos verse that resonates so significantly for you.
1: Amos 524, for those that might have it memorized, right? But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Yeah, right? Like, there's one I can get behind. That can be like the bumper sticker on the back of my car.
0: Right, and that's super modern right now. I mean, that's, that's currently happening uh, around this country. There's a, there's a clamor. For, for justice, right? Justice movements that people mm-hmm. should be treated um, equally and fairly. And so th- this, this idea in Amos, um, unlikely you guys came to church today figuring we were going to look at Amos, so there you go. <laughs> a little minor prophet for you. But let it roll like, like a, um, down the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It just, uh, that resonates. Yes, want to be a part of something like that
1: which then takes me to always go back, right, to my criminal justice days, where this picture that'll come up behind me, right? Anybody know what her name is? Lady Justice, right? Awesome name. And if you don't know anything about her, let me take you into a little bit of telling you about the different things she holds. So one of the things that she has is a scroll And the scroll, actually, stands for learning and knowledge, right? Because justice always includes learning about the situation, knowing the two sides of the story before making any judgment. The blindfold that she has on is because justice should not see any impartiality, right? So you don't actually need to see who's presenting the two sides. The scales, each side of the scale, one side, are the needs of society, that need to be balanced with the interests of the individuals. And then the final one, and probably my favorite one, is the sword. Anybody know what the sword stands for? I wouldn't expect you to, but I just like to ask. Fighting. Fighting. It kind of. The sword stands that justice should be swift and final. And that's why the sword is my favorite, because I'm like, yes. Justice should be swift, it should come across quick, and it should be the end statement. And that's what I can get behind, right? Like, that's something that I'm like, yes, Lady Justice, let's do this.
0: Yeah. I mean, our hearts all, many of our hearts cry out for this. And even more stark when you talk about um, uh, things like generational sins or overall societal inequalities. Mm-hmm. Right, a simple look at around the world we live in today and we just came up with a quick list like a, like generational poverty at its core. It doesn't feel fair or just, or just.
1: And I'm in the real estate industry and there are all kinds of redlining real estate policies, which means that if a client wants to see something in an area, we take them to every area because I don't even remember what years it was where they would actually base things off of how you looked, or your income, or all different things, and they would only show you specific areas then that they would allow you to yeah. go and see houses.
0: Particularly in terms of race. And I, I wasn't aware of this, I mean, those were written into law up until the mid-1980s, which is super recent for me, it just astonishes me. Um, laws that disproportionately affect certain ages, or genders, or races, all of these things, just today, resonate because it's, it's patently unfair, it's, um, it's unequal, and, and scripture talks to that.
1: And one thing that we talked about as we were planning for this is that Josh is like, so with you being such a justice person, you know, I think it comes down to you just need to trust God more that he's going to take care of it. And I really don't think, for those of us that are justice people, it doesn't come down to my trust level with God. My problem, I think, and I think that many of us struggle with, is that I just get impatient with how long it takes for his judgment to take place.
0: Now, a quote's going to be on screen on purpose. Because there's an internal time for all of us to look in the mirror that impatient for God to bring up this, this people getting what, what, what they deserve. And no raising of hands yet, but how many of us sit in that? Did I just grow impatient? I get worked up that so and so didn't get what they deserve, and and it's not happening the way I think it should. But it's not just a today perspective either. This isn't just like a 2020 us here in the United States. Biblically, it goes way back. This idea that like it should be fair, stuff should be um, fair and equal. Talk about um, think about Martha. Mary and Martha are sitting there. Jesus is talking. Um, Martha's got stuff to do, and so does Mary, but Mary sits at the, at the feet of Jesus and listens to Jesus talking. And Martha pitches a bit of a fit. She goes to Jesus and says in Luke 10 40, Martha was distracted with all of uh, her serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. That's not fair. You see what she's doing? She's sitting. You know, I'm busting my tail. Jeremiah. Jeremiah has this uh, this refrain that comes up consistently where he's frustrated that God is elevating others around Israel and and smashing down Israel based on their choices. And he says in Jeremiah 12, uh, 3 and 4, but you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. Verse 4, how long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? How long will stuff be unfair? For the evil of those who dwell in, uh, in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away. Because they said, he won't see or will not see our latter end. Uh, our enemies are, getting, are being blessed. We are not. That's not fair. If you're familiar with the story of Job, Job toward the very end, right before God responds at the very end of Job, Job gets the point where he's frustrated He's looking around at at the landscape of his own life. And in Job 30, verse 24 and 26, Job says, Yet does not one who's in a heap of ruins stretch out his hand and in his disaster cry for help, help me? Verse 25, Did not I weep for him whose day was hard? Didn't I treat people, didn't I empathize with people who were struggling? Why am I in such a terrible spot? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. That's not fair. Or finally, my favorite example of in scripture, this idea of inequality and justice being played out with people who have the same emotions we do, is in the story of Jonah. Jonah, by the way, Jonah doesn't want Nineveh to doesn't want to go to Nineveh and preach, not because he's really scared of his life, but because he doesn't want Nineveh to repent and turn. He knows God's gonna God's gonna respond in compassion, so he throws a fit, stops. Uh, eventually, get the belly of the whale spit out. Um, go check it out in Jonah. But eventually, he preaches to the Ninevites. They do repent. Jesus or God does forgive them. And then in verse four, you get Jonah and his the exact words in uh, Jonah verse four, chapter one or chapter four, verse one says, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry." angry that other people were um, were forgiven interestingly enough that phrase displeased exceedingly or that phrase angry is the exact same hebrew word that jesus uses in our parable for grumbled the people working there were grumbling they were angry that people were given more than what they thought they deserved have you been there have you been in that spot where you were angry that others didn't get what you thought they deserved or you didn't get what you felt like you deserved? So let's get back to the parable in Matthew 20. Okay, in Matthew 20, I'm going to go really quickly here. One, who does the action here? Who's the one in every spot of this, Aaron, that, that acts, that sets the, the price, that negotiates? It's not the workers, mind you, it's the vineyard owner at every spot. He's the one that says, I'm going to pay you a day's wage. He's the one that goes out and pursues people to work for them. He's the one that responds. It's the vineyard owner at every spot. Ultimately, for all of us, who provides a final answer for our lives? It's God. At the end of the day, ultimately, it's God. The vineyard owner in this, in this parable um, is a metaphor for God himself. We want others to get what they deserve, and we want mercy for ourselves. We want others to get what they deserve, but we want mercy for us.
1: And ultimately, if we look at it, the truth is justice and mercy cannot depend on us. As much as some of us might wish that it did because we would take care of it quicker or cleaner, we all have sin. We all have the sin nature And so at the base level, we all have to look at one another and acknowledge that I'm broken, you're broken, you're broken. The world around us is broken. Starting anywhere else is simply wrong. It puts us in a position that is more than we can legitimately handle. It's a position that was never intended for us to have.
0: And so if we clamor for, hey, that's not fair, it's putting us in a position to gauge fairness for everybody else. And we will fail at that every time. Romans 9, 14-16, Paul says, What should we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? And Paul says, By no means. For God says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. It is not up to us to tell God what to do with people. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy.
1: So how does a justice person rest with that? Right? How ultimately do I live with the view of God that he is the ultimate judge and that justice will be served and still live in a world that has multiple that's not fair moments? Right? Daily. Daily. We are too often in the position of the workers who started the day and that get paid last. All too often, we end up being the ones who are grumbling, who are clamoring for justice and are outraged when people, often not us, get what we think they deserve, right? I know that I often have asked, how can there be a just God when all this junk is taking place?
0: So here's the so what moment as we, as we kind of land on here. So if you're sitting back, you need to stretch out a little bit. Here's the so what. You go back to this parable and what does the vineyard owner say when the people grumble and say, you've made us equal to the people who, uh, who started, the day, or started at the end of the day? Verse 13, Matthew 20, verse 13. The vineyard owner says, he answered one of them, I, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Love the fact, by the way, he uses the word friend. It's the same Hebrew word that Jesus used in the garden talking to Judas. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? You agreed to the negotiation. This is what you knew you were going to get. Take your pay and go. And I love this. Make sure we walk away with this. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Today, no matter where you're at and when you're listening to us, God wants to give us the gift of salvation. It's a gift. It's not something we earn. Okay? God wants to, whenever we accept it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So accept today. If you've not had that, made that decision, this is the first time you ever actually thought about it, regardless of what has taken place in the past, uh, those workers stood outside waiting all day for somebody to ask them to work. They said yes and got the same pay. Today, no matter what your passes look like, the offer is extended to accept Jesus.
1: And ultimately, I mean, God is the most fair. He set the agreed upon price. He paid it with his son. So how ridiculous for me to be able to sit back and say, I know that you set that, and I want to be a part of your kingdom, but really I want something more because I accepted you at this younger age, and this person at 30 or 40 or 60 or 90 did it at that age. We seek to modify deals. We want to negotiate. We want what we think we deserve, especially compared to others. But whenever I think that the world's unfair, instead of going to my Amos verse, I go to the First Peter 2, 21 to 25, And this is out of the message. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it, step by step. Jesus never did one thing wrong. He not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so that we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed
0: by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.